0: This time tomorrow night, the Hamilton Tiger Cats will be on the field facing off against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a team that is not good, at least by first impressions. Two games in, they are 0-2, and there are already calls for Mike O'Shea, the head coach's head. They've got a brand new, well, almost brand new, new last year, but still a spanking new stadium, and they got a stinking team by the looks of it. But, but... After the last week's performance, I don't know that you can necessarily say what kind of team the Hamilton Tiger Cats are. So this is going to be a really interesting game. Joining me to break down some of the ins and outs and go over this a little bit, a guy who, man, we used to love having him on the show all the time, but then uh, something happened at CHCH in December, and suddenly he's got a lot of things to do on his plate, even including being a weatherman, so it's tougher to get him in here. But um, we grab Bubba O'Neill when we can, and uh, he's with us now. Bubba, thanks for doing this.
1: Great to be here, Scott. I mean, uh, anytime he's talking a little Tiger Cat football, I've got to make some time for him, man.
0: Okay, so as I said a second ago, week one was great. Looked great against Toronto. Week two was as bad as I've seen the Hamilton Tiger Cats play in some time. Week three will be who knows.
1: <laughs> I mean, and, and, and you know, I tell, and, you know it's, a, it's a fair question at this point of the season, right, because we were so blown away with their uh, performance in their week one victory over the Argonauts where, you know, you always hear the, any football aficionado or any head coach, any quarterback say that, you know, to, to be your best, you've got to win all three aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams. And we saw execution that was just fantastic uh, at BMO Field where, you know, Jeremiah Masoli, a quarterback, just led a, a beautiful offense, especially in the second half half 27 37 310 yards three touchdowns no mistakes no fumbles special teams was really good uh, mahar was real good kicking the field goal the simone lawrence was on fire in defense and then everything went backwards in the home opener again in a sold-out crowd at Tim Hortons where uh, the field goal kicker missed all his attempts. The quarterback couldn't generate any offense. They didn't score any points. They didn't kick, hit a field goal. And the defense couldn't really stop anyone at key times. And on top of that, they took a lot of penalties. So uh, Game 3, uh, anything's up for grabs.
0: What is your level of confidence in Jeremiah Mazzoli? Because Rick Zamperin was on here last week before the game, and we talked about Masoli, and the big question was a guy who is up and down, a guy who's inconsistent, and we saw greatness in the playoffs last year, we saw greatness in Game 1, we saw horribleness in Game 2, what's your level of confidence that he is able to put that behind him and come out and be the great Jeremiah Massoli again?
1: Well, my level of confidence in Jeremiah Masoli is the same amount of confidence I would have in any what I would call a rookie quarterback. Now, he's been around here in Tiger-Tone time for, you know, three, four years. But remember, how many pro starts has this guy had? So really, you have to look at it that way. Not so much a time that he's been here with the Cats under contract. And remember, this is a guy that's, you know, been on the practice roster, and he's been the, he's been the good soldier and has his opportunity now with Zach Gleros uh, being sidelined with a knee injury. So really... Professionally, he's had maybe what five, six starts, and I-, I thought it was really interesting what Kent Austin said because let's be honest, here we're here to build in the media, build up athletes, and bring them down at times, and that's just the reality of the pro of a pro sports athlete. Uh, and he, we, uh, CHCH, your station, the other uh, broadcasting station, even the national broadcasters at TSN, they were singing the praise of this guy because of the way he performed against the Argonauts. And well,
0: that's just showed, Ken. That's just Ken Austin deflecting criticism from a quarterback that stunk the joint out last game.
1: Well, I, I, but yeah, but I think he even said before the the contest on uh, on against the BC Lions is that not not to you know. Um, uh, I can't remember what the word would be okay, that he used. But basically, let's not make this guy the Messiah yet, right? He's a young guy, and he's going to make mistakes. And then it would be unbelievable that his words actually came true that he struggled And then, let's be honest, here, there was an element of wind, and I know both teams were battling with the wind, uh, that made it a little tougher for the guy as well, too. But you know, let's be honest, though. It wasn't just him. He didn't get a lot of help. Uh, receivers were dropping passes or fumbling the football. Penalties were being taken. Defensively, no one made stops. So, uh, I I thought it was a total. It's just a a game that really, in a way, in some ways, you can't forget because you got to watch the tape and live and learn. But it was one to really just forget.
0: You surprised though that when that as that game is going along and and Misoli is really just not able to get anything done. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It was not just him. The entire team was thinking. But are you surprised that that Kent Austin would not have put Jeff Matthews or Jake Waters in there to get some reps, just to you know what? This isn't working. Let's just—I know we don't want to ruin Masoli's confidence by yanking him, but you know maybe we just got to change goalies, like you do in hockey sometimes, just to shake things up a little bit.
1: No, but no, because who you, you're going to you're going to two quarterbacks with less experience than, uh, than Masoli. But they couldn't be
0: doing worse you know? at that moment. I,
1: well, I thought well, we didn't know that, right? Because I figured Masoli, because we had seen good things from him, that maybe something would happen or something they would something would spark the spark the team. Whether it be a you know something from maybe Speedy B Banks, maybe giving them good field position with a good return that they could just get into some type of rhythm. And I think not pulling him was actually uh, a confidence builder to the fact of, uh, of, of for Masoli that we're not going to pull you here because this we're not putting this all on you. Because the, the feeling is, if we pull you, that this was all on you. And I don't think it was on all on him.
0: D- Kent Austin today said that Zach Caleros is close to returning to practice. He didn't say games yet. He says he's close to returning to practice. Honestly, I mean, this is the CFL. So many good things about the CFL, but I'm on record as saying the one thing that drives me nuts is that you could basically start the season 0-9 and still make the playoffs and win the Grey Cup. Does anything with the Ticats really matter before Zach Caleros returns? Because I think everybody believes that once he steps back on the field, this is a completely different team.
1: You know, and that he needs to prove that, though. And, yeah, we saw the very best of Zach Caleros before that knee injury. Uh, easily the most valuable player in the CFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. But now he would be coming off almost a year of non-activity. And a guy just doesn't step in there and all of a sudden light it up. And if he does in the first game, you can be sure that in the second game he won't. There's a, there's still a lot of learning on Zach Klerk. He's still a young quarterback as well, too, that's got to live and learn as well, too, through some experience. Uh, is he the best quarterback that the Ticats have? Is he the best option? Absolutely he is. But I'm not really quite ready to anoint the Cats as, you know, the greatest thing in the East right now. Uh, with Zach Caleros in the lineup right now, there's some still learning for him to do, and he'll have to get his reps uh, in there because remember, I mean, he'll be coming in off of, you know, weeks and weeks of inactivity. And it's one thing to stand there on the sidelines and watch and, and support the your other guys and be a good teammate and do all those things, but once the bullets start flying, he's got to get back to game speed, and that's going to take a while. And I'll tell you this I, I've been saying this to everyone that'll listen. The Ottawa Red Blacks are for real, and Marcel Desjardins, the former one time general manager of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, made the shrewdest move in in the off season by bringing in Trevor Harris to be a liver and a learner behind the likes of Henry Burris, who was the only quarterback that didn 't get hurt at forty years old last season, and now he 's got the pinky finger and out for about four to six weeks.
0: What was really interesting after last week's game, uh, and again, um, a lot of guys didn't play well. Jeff Tisdale, though, was particularly bad. Then he ends up getting released by the Tiger Cats after or early in the week. Was that Was getting rid of him an honest move to get rid of a guy who looked to be overmatched by Kent Austin? Or was that Austin flexing his muscles and sending a message to everyone else that, listen, if you don't play well, you could be next?
1: Well, I mean, they had some injuries to that position, and he's playing a real tough position, right? Like, that outside corner position in this league, where you've got to cover such wide spaces, I mean, that, that's a tough job. And he got a little singled out, I thought. I mean, not so much by Austin, by but by his performance. And, and oh, I, he got I picked mean, on. He got picked on about, in that he game. Got picked on, but this goes back to what I'm saying about Coleros, about a guy that hadn't really played in a little bit. And it's going to take him a while. Now did they pull the trigger on him a little quicker than I thought? Yeah, probably, that, but that's just my opinion. But he also he suffered of penalties. He got beat deep, he got beat short. Oh, he had uh, a bad night. Yeah, he had a real bad night right in front of his home crowd. And if other guys are there and younger, they gave him a shot, and it just didn't work out. That's that's football. And if they feel like I – mean, I'm not there at practice to see every game or whatever the case is or every practice. But if if Ken Austin's a pretty good, shrewd evaluator of talent, and I believe if he – See some of other younger guys that are probably ready to step in that position, maybe be a little bit more athletic, then they probably made the right choice. Because I'll be honest with you, I was really surprised to bring in, a I think, a, a plus 30-year-old uh, defensive back who had some good years here in Hamilton earlier. Him and and Bradley, they were, making, they were a great uh, uh, corner combo back in the day. But uh, I was surprised that he was even brought back here.
0: This game, I mean, we're game three into the season. No one's going to pretend that it's the most important game of the year. But I think there is a really an interesting note to this game, and that's what I touched on at the beginning. Mike O'Shea, the head coach of Winnipeg, is under serious fire in Winnipeg because his team didn't win last year, and they've started out 0-2, and they haven't looked very good. And then you've got the Thai Cats who played a stinker in front of their home crowd last week. This that that to me makes this game really interesting because both sides while it is anything but a must-win game there is an awful lot just as far as getting momentum and getting confidence and getting going riding on a good performance for both sides in this one.
1: Sure. But I believe it's a bigger game for Winnipeg, no doubt. I mean, I, I still think, and I know you can't keep saying that. You know what? Hamilton's a good team; they'll turn it around. But I truly do believe in that. I don't believe that in Winnipeg right now. They've really disappointed me. They couldn't get anything going against Montreal in their home opener. They fell asleep for basically three quarters against this, the Calgary Stampeders, and finally got Drew Willie got some things going in the fourth quarter. When really, I thought Calgary were playing a much more relaxed defense. But I can see why that. Coaches, uh, while he's under pressure right now, they're playing in front of a, a brand new, a, a relatively new stadium. Uh, season tickets, ticket, season ticket holders want to see that team win, and it's been some time now where the bombers have just been. Not a great football team. Not and, even
0: a good football team. Not even
1: a good football team. And, and really, like who's the, who's the face of that team right now? And, of course, you always want to put it on the quarterback. But, you know, Drew Willie's a young guy still in the league as well, too. And I, I don't see any consistency there offensively or defensively. They've, got, they've had some good guys run through that program over the last couple of years and now are on other teams. So uh, I, I think it's a huge game for, for Winnipeg right now. But they don't have on their side since 2013 the cats are 7 and 1 against them outscoring them what what's the number 268 to 131 that that that's an awful number
0: yeah and, and i agree with you i i think that that clearly there is a ton of pressure although i will say this the tie cats the last thing the tie cats want is to lose their first two games at their home stadium that was for the longest time when it opened a death valley for every other team the last thing you want to do is completely give up that sense of invincibility at your home stadium
1: i think it's already lost scott i, I, mean, I, I yeah I, but i think that happened last year i, I wouldn't even I, I, I think as they continued not to lose last year I, w- I certainly believe what you're saying there but i think once you lose one or two then i, I don't even think that's a yeah but you drop
0: one to winnipeg now and man it is completely gone it is completely gone. You know, you can you can look back and you can you can still build something again from there. But you lose to Winnipeg, that's harder to get back. I think you put out a good performance and you go, yeah, you know what, BC was just a bad night. But we're 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 the team that faced Toronto, not the team that uh, that faced BC. Let me ask you another thing, totally off the field, but I find this a really interesting thing that Winnipeg has that I don't think there's any other team in the league that has this in the off season guy named Ed Tate. Some people may be familiar with his name. He was a longtime writer with the Winnipeg Free Press, one of the most respected CFL writers in the league, maybe the most respected guy. Been around forever, covered the team forever. But in the off season, he was offered a job by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, left the paper after I don't know how many years, and is now the head of content. He is writing copy for their website as the in-house media guy and i'm looking at this and i'm wondering okay is this to me it's a very troubling move that we would start seeing this that teams would begin trying to be the generators of their own content because i really believe that leads to a whole lot of problems but do you see the problem or do you see this as the future of where sports journalism is going to go the teams are just going to try and pump out all their own stuff with their own spin
1: well i mean isn't that happening here in Hamilton? i mean somewhat we've seen, somewhat we've seen, we've seen the growth of, of uh, and i'll say a very impressive growth of ca and their cats tv and you know to the point now that they've got like an in-house sort of TV set and studio, somewhat, with, but you know, with, with you know, in, in in during the games, you know, like with with uh, Morielli and Osbaldison and, our, and CHs uh, Leslie Stewart. Uh, so I see it at the stadium. I see it on their website. I see increased, uh, you know, features and all that kind of stuff. And and yeah, I mean, they're generating their own content. That's that's the way of. The, millenniums or whatever you want to call it, that that's the way everyone's going right now in sports. And um, whether you like it or not, they are controlling the message, Scott.
0: But the difference is, and I, I agree with you, I mean, certainly the Ticats have done that. They do produce copy for their website. They do produce videos and things like that. I, absolutely. But to me, this was the first time that you had a well-established, well-known name brand actual journalist who made the jump, and to try to lend it the kind of credibility. Because most people would say, well, listen, Ed Tate, and and listen, Ed is a highly respected guy. I I have nothing, not one bad word to say about Ed Tate. And I don't believe that Ed would be the guy who would go to Winnipeg and start sucking from the Blue Bombers' teat to just say whatever they want to make it look good. I really believe that he will be honest. But, boy, there are going to be people now who look and say, well, wait a second, can I now believe... What I'm reading in a on a team's website, regardless of whose byline it is, if the team is paying this person,
1: well, I mean, hey, I mean, I I, I, I don't even want to say because um, he, he's not a partner; he's now an employee of the team. Right. So yeah, you're right. So you're right. He doesn't. I don't. I, I mean, I can't believe that that. Mr. Tate would not tell the truth.
0: I agree. I but agree. It,
1: but, it, but it may temper his criticism of the team more so than if he was writing his daily column for the free press, right? So it, it might be slightly different, but I will also throw this you know, up for grabs that maybe the Winnipeg Blue Bombers said, you know what, we're going to pay you this. And at times, sometimes money talks. And I, I can't get into the head of what's happening here in Hamilton, where Drew Edwards does a tremendous job uh, writing on a daily basis for the paper that you work at as well, too, and you participate as well, too. But if the Tiger Cats say, hey, Drew, here's this check with this number on it, and we want you to be our guy, maybe he accepts.
0: Yeah, you know, it. it well, I, I mean, I don't know if he would or not. Um... But the, the, the thing that's troubling to me, and people are going to say, well, yeah, of course, you're biased. Well, that's fine. I, I can be seen as biased on this one, but I really believe that it becomes a troubling kind of thing. If this works and you start seeing the Montreal the uh, the Montreal Alouettes trying to hire away Herb Zerkowski from the Montreal Gazette, yep. or different people all over the place, you know what? Those people have great credibility and those people, to me, have great integrity. But I think it as a reader, I think or as a viewer, you, you can't help but wonder if they, as you say, are holding back on some of the criticism. I mean, if you if, if Winnipeg loses tomorrow and they go 0-3, and then they lose again the next week and go 0-4, traditionally, if you are in the newspaper business or you're in your position, you're going to have some pretty scalding things to say about that team. Absolutely. How vicious do you think the criticism is going to be on the Blue Bombers' own website? I would argue that it's not.
1: No, it's of course not. They're gonna find the find out. They're gonna talk about the running back that uh, had nine carries for ninety yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're gonna build on the positive. But if you're, but if that's you're, your, you know, who you're employing, and that's you're working for that particular team, that's your mandate, right? You're not there to scald the team. You're not there to maybe even have personal opinions about your team, very much like I do, and maybe even you do, but. That's your mandate now, and we're paying you this to because we like you. We think you are a credible writer. You do a great job. You maybe have been in the community for many, many years, and you're right. Things change when all of a sudden your paycheck says the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the Hamilton Tiger Cats or, or any CFL team. And if you make that jump, that's, I think that's part of the – that's part of something you have to accept as a writer. And and that's up to the, to the writer to make that decision. Because as you well know, if you are working for the team, your skills, not your skills as a writer, but your opinions have to be tempered now.
0: It will be very interesting because, again, I, I want to say, Ed is one of the best guys in the business at, at writing about the CFL. He knows the game, he knows the league, he knows the players. And if this is very successful for the Blue Bombers on their website, I really could see some other places, and here's the thing, Bubba: not just choose a guy who is going to give great content on the website, but you start if you're a, if you're a, a team in a particular market that has a writer that maybe has a bit of a hard edge towards the team that can be a little critical of them. You offer them money, and you try to hire them away. Not only then are you getting their work on the website, but you're getting rid of their harsh words outside the website. Yep. It's a, you know, and suddenly now. And again, people can say I'm biased because I work in the media. Well, fair enough. But I think I think we end up in a we start getting into a dangerous territory here. The bombers may be at the front end of this, but if we start seeing this across the league, I think what you end up seeing is not from Ed, not necessarily from Ed, but in a lot of other places you might start seeing an awful lot of Pablum written about CFL teams.
1: I, I, you know, Scott. I'll be honest with you. It, I think it's just the reality of the new wave of sports right now. You're right. You're right. I mean, I mean, you turn on the TV right now. We watch national sports networks that, you know, that that one carrier owns the Blue Jays. Uh, I've told you situations before. While I used to work at Rogers Sportsnet, where uh, as partners, and that's a key word, as partners, where the Blue Jays and Sportsnet, Sportsnet was. Uh, I don't want to say reprimanded, but I think talk to would be the fair word about you know overly some of their announcers having over over criticized you know over, overly critical of of the Blue Jays, and I think that even I mean and I haven't been there for you know for years now, and I believe the partnership between Rogers and the Blue Jays is even stronger than it was when I was there, and all you got to do is turn on the broadcast. It's I I, I think it I think I, I'm not going too far by saying it's a very, very Homer, Homer-like broadcast.
0: Interesting, interesting stuff. I'll let you go, Bubba. I really appreciate the time. I know you got to get back to work, but uh, love having you on, love chatting up, lo- love catching up. Thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Great time.